The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. The only NFL podcast, one of the host's favorite tight end is George Kibble. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I can't believe I got you to laugh. That's Dominique Foxworth. <laughs> That was a laugh of disappointment. <laughs> uh, Dominique, the host of the Dominique Foxer Show, an excellent podcast. You can see him on Debatable, Get Up, everywhere, this podcast. Dominique, an excellent divisional round is now in the books. Incredible games. Much to discuss. So naturally, it's time to rank quarterbacks. <laughs> this has been a week, man. What <laughs> it's is only, happening? It's only uh, what is it, Tuesday when we're recording this, and already it feels like a week. I know what's happening. So I, I went on Get Up today, and obviously they tried to make me respond to Dan Orlovsky's <laughs> scorching hot take that just was whatever. And like, as someone who's on TV, and I know how the Get Up meeting goes, it's like you feel pressure to make a definitive statement like after peeling, peeling every week of football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm because I was I want to defend Dan because it feels like, yeah, not peeling back the onion. Yeah, I don't think. peel back. Yeah, I said that and it was like, yeah, wait a second. Yeah, but I, I mean, yeah. I, I got the open point. the kimono. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Which I never liked. So, <laughs> which is why I thought it, but wasn't going to say it because I know that you don't like it. But um, lift, lift the curtain. There you go. Lift the curtain. See what's happening back here. It's like I understand you want to be able to say something definitive the morning after. Uh, important big win, like a surprising win, and you want to find some way to elevate Joe Burrow. But the problem is Patrick Mahomes is out here, guys, and we can't get crazy. And, like, the the way that he parsed it was so – like, he has to even find it funny now, Dan Orlovsky, that is, because he yeah. was like I, – I, I don't know if he's the, like, genesis of all of this conversation, but it feels no, like – I didn't – I world, actually wasn't – I'm. it feels like oh. everywhere now I'm seeing this. Today, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, well, a lot then of – I'll leave Dan alone. I, well, uh, even on first take, one of the questions I got was, like, who, who, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, whose legacy does it matter more for? And I was like, what? Like – Patrick Mahomes is on a Super Bowl. What are we? And he's also going to be playing on one leg. So, um, anyways, I, that was a joke that then obviously has derailed this podcast a little. We're going to talk about Sorry. the games. We're going to pick. No, I mean it was me. I did it. We're going to do winners and woofs from each of the games, and we're going to you do some winners, you do some woofs. I'll do some winners. I'll do some woofs. Because uh, you know a lot of surprising stuff did happen. Um, I, let, let's start. Let's work backwards and start with the Cowboys Niners game. Yeah. The Dak the Dak Prescott discourse, by the way, has been crazy this week. So, but we, let's Love go first Earth. with the winner, and, and it's actually overshadowed the Niners a little bit. So, let's start yeah. with the San Francisco 49ers, who deserve our attention, who deserve a winner. Who was your winner from the San Francisco 49ers? I feel like it was Fred Warner. I think that the story of the game was the defense, the best player on that defense. I guess you could argue is Nick Bosa, but in this particular mm, game, and what we're walking around game. with, it was Warner. He had an interception. He had that incredible pass breakup, and it seemed like he is as fast as anyone in football. <laughs> when the ball is moving, he gets to it so quickly. Like watching him out there, and when you talk about winners and wolves, I, I think I think about it as a perception standpoint and storyline standpoint, and I think that his like Q rating for average football fans went up this weekend more yeah, than anybody agreed. else's on that field. Can can you explain? So 
I, the thing that I think is so fascinating, other than the fact that he's like obviously can do literally everything and the most uh glaring being him carrying cd lamb like 20 yards of steam after <laughs> starting in the a cap i mean um that sorry sorry to cut you off that reminded me of something that i that i saw a few weeks ago i don't remember what game it was in but i remember tweeting about it is when he, Fred when he, Warner, when he was the cover two corner <laughs> Jeez, Louise, the man. Well, that's what I wanted to corner. ask you about, though. Actually, like, so it's it's an interesting, it's it's interesting because off ball linebacker for a while, in when we talked about the NFL, was being devalued, especially with the mm-hmm. explosion of the passing game, teams throwing deep more. Um, why do you think him? He's clearly the best in football. I don't think. He's more dominant at his position, maybe than any player at any position. Maybe that's a yeah. Crazy, I don't know. I feel pretty. I, I, like, yeah, I feel like the gap between him and other players is at his position is bigger. If we're th- if we're comparing yes. him to Bosa on his team, like Bosa is in a crowd of a bunch of great yes. edge rushers. Um, Fred Warner is the guy, and then there are a lot of good guys behind him, kind of like somebody named Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you could say Trent Williams is close to that well. Those, I mean Trent Williams and Frank Warner were probably my two easiest all pro votes gosh because like gosh, Nick Bosa amazing but to your point Miles Garrett is right there Micah Parsons is right there so you're like what order do I put these guys in with those two players there was no question for me it, it I didn't I didn't have to think which yeah is pretty remarkable but but I but I want to stick with the Warner thing with that defense in particular why is he so important to it like what how they play yeah, um, that the C.D. Lamb play is like the example. It's that ability to do um, unusual things because when you're a quarterback, and Dak Prescott is one of the better quarterbacks in the league at getting pre-snap reads, and and like he's one of the smarter quarterbacks in the league. I'd say that his superpower, if you're giving quarterbacks superpowers, is like his ability to process. He's more. Peyton Manning than uh, other quarter than most other quarterbacks, and not, not to say he's at that level, but generally he can look at a defense and have a good idea what you're going to do. And when you're watching, and I like haven't played it long enough, I can look on TV and realize when someone's doing a fake blitz because you look for so uh, a player showing that they're going to help, or when a team is doing something, whatever. Like generally, you have an idea if you're around football enough. But because of his intelligence, Fred Warner, that is, his intelligence and his athleticism, they pushed the line to the left, in part because that's where the blitz was showing yeah. from. And, and that, his ability to show up in the A-gap forces a slide, which then opens up the blitz from the other side that went unblocked. They only sent four guys on that play. But one came scot-free untouched. And the only reason why Fred Warner can show in the A-gap, the opposite A-gap, causing a slide of the line over there is because his athleticism is absurd and his intelligence is absurd, too, because he's like, all right, I'm going to put myself in this spot. This will open up the blitz over there. The most important thing for me to do is to get to this seam route and take this away against the best threat that this other team has. And I'm a damn linebacker. And to do like in that one play, and that's just one example of it, but there's so many other examples of his intelligence, versatility, and athleticism allowing other people, uh, and I'm sorry, I'll shut up in a second. But in general, I like to talk about defenses 
and like the mindset is like who can handle more pressure in order to take pressure off of other people and fred warner can do so many things well that it makes other jobs so much easier well that leads me to a take that i kind of want to run by you um so the san francisco 49ers defense credible four-man rush best linebacking group in the nfl good players in the secondary but not great players, I think, you know, as cornerback. We, mm. we, we've talked about this. Right. You know, you can attack them downfield. Yeah. However, I was thinking watching them, because the four-man rush is so blistering, because they get off so quickly, do you mm. think it's possible that it's actually more important that they're elite at linebacker than in the secondary? Because typically the way you counter that sort of pass rush is through certain run concepts, quick game, screens, but you can't do that against San Francisco because if you try to get the ball out quickly, these linebackers are going to kill you because they're so damn fast. And I, and I was watching them work together and thinking like, oh, actually, like this team is, this defense is built so well because there are just no easy answers. Greenlaw dropped that pick six because he jumped on that so stick good. route so quickly. So yeah, and like that's, I, I, I like where this take is headed. It's a good take. I think you're probably right. Um, I, I'm hesitant this is painful to for you. take this is painful for yeah, you. <laughs> to take to take the attention away from the the cornerbacks, but I I think in this situation, and part of the reason why you're right is because they're the answers to a great four man rush are quick passes and play action. So like play action or like running game too. So like yeah. play action and and stuff that'll slow down the rush. And play action, the best place, as you know, if you watch the 49ers, because they do it to other teams, the best place to exploit play action is that linebacker level. Because those guys are, like, conditioned to stop the run. If you have a linebacker who can stop the run and also respond uh, well to play action, then the opponent is less likely to do that. Because And, and then they put you back in a situation where they're doing straight drop back, and then Armstead and Bosa and those guys... Um, can get off the ball and do what they do. Okay, so that brings me, I think, pretty pretty naturally to my woof. It, my, my woof is the entire Cowboys organization. Um, <laughs> so, you know, this is not a good Dak Prescott game. Bad interceptions, didn't play well. Um, and then, you know, I think, obviously, it was just so many boneheaded errors at the end that you, you look to the coaches correctly, I think, when the whole operation falls apart. And it was the whole, like, just the lack of command of situational football ultimately does have to fall uh, at the coach's feet. However, this is what I, I wanted to... So, you know, you could say Dak Wolf, Mike McCarthy Wolf, fair. But when I was watching them, I was thinking, man, I really underestimated how poorly this Dallas offense matches up with San Francisco in particular. All season long, we were talking about how this group of skill players in Dallas wasn't good enough. Um, and then that ultimately falls upon the Joneses, the original sin of the Zeke contract. You trade away Amari Cooper, who would have been so useful in this game. Hmm. Uh, you know, and uh, so you, you get you get here. And then C.D. Lamb, who I think is a very good wide receiver, is your number one wide receiver. And I think he is a number one wide receiver. However, C.D. Lamb cooks the middle of the field. San Francisco mm -hmm. takes out the middle of the field. And after Lamb, the drop-off in this game, the skill position was... I mean, Dak averaged nine yards per attempt throwing to Lamb, 3.7 to everyone else. Gallup, 
Schultz, who had the thing, at, you know, the, the mistake at the end, which was really bad. Pollard goes out, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah. Tony Pollard is their most dynamic second receiver. Like, so mm-hmm. I, I guess that's why I want to say just I want to kind of focus my woof on the Cowboys organization because I think this game really stressed that this team was not particularly well-constructed. Yeah, I don't know if um, if this is fair of me to do, but I think I allowed myself to get caught up in the the hype midseason because looking at this roster preseason, I thought this was uh, like kind of a rebuild. Like once they moved on from Amari Cooper, it felt to me like, all right, well, we, we're reloading. Then this defense was incredible. They went on that run with Cooper Rush, and then we were like, oh, they're really contenders which I guess the NFC is weak, which that's another story. Like, the NFC is weak. I don't know. I just don't feel like – I feel like my assessment of this team preseason has always been the right assessment, and I might have gotten drawn into believing yeah. something different. And and it's just so frustrating to me, at least, after this game to listen to the responses to uh, the Cowboys and also listen to the responses to the Bills when it's like the Cowboys were underdogs. Yeah. And, and a game against a team that we all thought was better on the road and and loss. That's fine. And loss a close game. And, yes, Dak was terrible. He should have had four turnovers. He was bad. But it just seems weird to be responding to this um, in the way that we are when we're responding to the Bills well, in an entirely different way. I think Dallas was bad. First of all, it's Dallas. Yeah, They're also bad in, like, ways that are easier one to point the finger at the quarterback but also like for just fans to say wow look at this you know ass hattery at the end of the game and like (laughs) like and these interceptions and whereas with the bills it it was really a team loss so this feels like a good way to go to that game i I, i'm gonna go first because i have the winner by far the most surprising performance of the weekend Bengals offensive line I feel like that yeah. is the natural. And now, you know, that said, Joe Burrow makes them look better than they are because ball's coming out quick. He's making good decisions. I think the Bills' pass rush being slowed down, perhaps, you know, partly by the elements, partly by the fact that ever since Von Miller got hurt, the four-man rush wasn't very good. That helped as well. But even with those caveats, first of all, when, when Joe Burrow held the ball for two, over two and a half seconds, so outside of quick game, he had 136.7 passer rating. He was... Mm-hmm well-protected when they ran the ball and it was mostly man blocking they were just pushing them north south i mean the way they dominated at the line of scrimmage was shocking to me uh with the three backups on the offensive line so i feel like they're i just have to give them credit for this game I'll throw Eli Apple in there as another winner but you're absolutely (laughs) right about that offensive line and i think the I don't know why a kid would want to play offensive line in the modern NFL because like it's so much pass setting that it's not fun. Offensive linemen find it very fun to run block. That is the only thing about it that they enjoy. It's like, and you saw it. They were having fun. And I I think like this is the legitimate pushback against uh, all like statistics and numbers and um probability of like success rate the legitimate pushback that i even have been hesitant to like accept is there something a psychological uh boost that comes from running the football there's also a rest component i think charlie on my podcast compared it in part to like 
giving your big man in basketball a couple shots, even though he's really just a rim <laughs> protector. Like, yeah, you got to give run a play for Gobert, and which is like run the ball for them. They don't want to be kick sliding all game long in the snow. And you wear down the defense. And I, I it, yeah. another thing, like, you know, the, the Bills not having uh, Daquan Jones, I thought was – uh, one of those sneaky big like oh wow this is the thing you know you forget until it happens but Dominique in the run game Joe Mixon averaged 2.6 yards before contact per carry according to ESPN stats and info that's the most he's averaged since 2019 I mean and, and the way they ran the ball like I was thinking about the playoff run last year when it was almost entirely outside inside zone you remember that game where they just spammed outside zone over and over and over and over mm -hmm. now you watch the Bengals run game and this offensive line and it's such a diverse set of run types of runs like i said they were they were man blocking a ton and just pushing the bills back but you saw a lot of pullers they're running power they're running counter trap like they, they're, they're just they looked so complete and it allowed them to string together very efficient drives and to just, like, bully the Bills, man. I mean, that they just bullied them. And, like, I don't think we give Zach Taylor a ton of credit as a coach, but I, I found, I don't know who to give it credit for. Maybe it's the O-line coach. Maybe it's the offensive coordinator. I don't know, but <laughs> Zach Taylor deserves something from this, like a, a, some sort of boost. In the, because one of the things, like the running plays, yes, I, I saw that. I appreciate that. A lot of people are talking about how well that offensive line played and how also they physically dominated them. But there was a big play in this game that – gets that I think is going to get forgotten. It was the Hunter Hurst. You, um, uh, you remember when he hurdled someone on mm -hmm. the sideline kind of, Hayden Hurst, it wasn't yeah. the hurdle. Yeah. It wasn't the hurdle. That was impressive. It was the play design. It was third yeah. and 10. They on, on previous third and longs. Yeah. yeah. On previous third and longs, they had gotten blitzed. And in this particular third down, it was clear to me that Joe Burrow knew where he was going. He wasn't reading a defense. He knew where he was going, and what they did was um, keep Hurst in the back, or not in the backfield, keep him on the, on the edge to pick up the blitz for a split second, check release. And by then, Milano, who I think was probably the zone blitz defender who was supposed to cover him, had turned to help and take away the middle of the field. And it just seemed like, obviously, before halftime, they were like, all right, this is what's going to happen. It just felt so obvious to me that this was something that was installed. Like, all right, this is going to be our answer the next time. We're ready for it. And that's just like good in-game coaching that – like that game's going to be forgotten and, and sorry to keep going, but that was one of the pivotal times when the, I think the bills had just scored. And if they had gotten a stop right there, they get the ball back and then they have a chance and it's third and 10, they should get a stop and they converted it. Like that's a big pivotal play that seems so much about um, intelligence and not as much about just guys being better. I think uh, Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan do deserve also to be winners to your point, because I talked about how they bullied the bills, but they also, put their players in positions to bully the Bills. I mean, on some of those runs, the way they were using motion and formation to get, you know, freaking Taron Johnson getting – there was that one – it was uh, – I can't remember which of the offensive linemen had Taron Johnson in that. But there, yeah. there was one play where he just got totally yeah. drove into the ground. But um, it, it, it felt like they knew – the Bills' defense was so predictable to them, and they were able to manipulate them to get the matchups they wanted over and over. So – Credit to them. And as far as the Bills, who's your wolf? Uh, everyone except for Josh <laughs> Allen, which is like oh, surprising really? to me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so if I, I'm not necessarily agreeing with this general take, but it feels like we're leaving that game with 
everybody around Josh Allen failed him is like the conversation that mm-hmm. I'm hearing, which I'm not sure is is fair or accurate. But right, that's what we're, we're saying. There's Stephon Diggs, and then there's nobody else. The O line can't block for the running attack. Um, Leslie Fr- Frazier was unprepared. Uh, the uh, they couldn't get a stop on defense. Like these are the things we're talking about leaving this game. We're not talking about the shortcomings, which we normally do. Is like we normally just focus on the quarterback. Like this guy fell short again in the divisional round again. But that's not what we're doing with him. Which I don't know. It's because maybe we accept that he's going to turn it over some, or I, I just don't get why <laughs> it doesn't come down on him in the same way. And I'm not arguing that it should, but it feels like. There's been no real discussion of him playing better, right? So your wolf is Josh Allen, then? No, it's not my wolf. Because I I, I guess it's a sloppy wolf. Because I'm not encouraging that. Because I do believe that there are other things to point to. I'm just pointing out that it's surprising to me. But I I, I do think that they need improvements around Josh Josh Allen. You need to be able to run the ball uh, in this situation more than anything. Like, without him. Like, you need to be able to push people back. Everything I said about the Bengals dominating on offense applies to the defense, too. Just bullying the Bills in the trenches, both sides. I mean, that was the story of the game, right? Like, just in the trenches, the Bengals. The Bengals have, you know, good pass rushers, obviously. But, um, man, it was like all the little concerns we had about Buffalo towards the end of the season. Can they run the ball? Is this offensive line good enough? Is Josh Allen pushing the ball downfield too much? Do they have secondary receiving options outside of Stephon Diggs? Are they able to, like, use different personnel groupings to get matchups the way they used to. It like all came to a head in this game. And the result I think was a team that it felt like, obviously they've been through so much this year on and off the field injuries. It kind of, it it felt like it all just got to be too much for them. Um, I will say I'm like, I Thing about Josh Allen is he kind of was never the same after the elbow injury, in my opinion. Like I forgot when right. he got that, but it was clear like there was something off about him throwing short after that. So hopefully he can get healthy, they can make some upgrades, um, and get him back to the way he was playing. At is the there of the like what is if you if there's one thing for this team that you want to address first? Is it the I mean I guess is it the secondary receiver? Is it figuring out a running attack? Is it um, pass rushers or DBs. I guess there are lots of areas that they need help. There's a lot of areas, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. they're assuming Von Miller will come back healthy. He's on a huge contract. Micah Hyde was ultimately, in this game in particular, by the way, you know, they they they, they were never really the same in, in a lot of things, but run defense in mm-hmm. particular. Um, for me, it's the offensive line. That was just such a problem at the end, and it was a problem for weeks before then. and kind of overlooked it a little bit, but... They clearly need to upgrade there. What I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it depends on, you know, that part of the answer is it depends on what's available and what they could get. But I also feel like in a best, I'm not sure if I truly believe this, but if you could choose something to address, it might be another receiving threat. Just like a, an idea of. Yeah. From a strategy standpoint, would you feel better going all in on allowing Josh Allen to air it out and making it so no one is safe? Or would you feel better about, you know what I mean? Like if you get back no, to this game exactly next year, yeah. would you Bills- like to have two number one receivers or one number one receiver in a rushing attack? Yeah, it's a great question. This is like the age old, like, <laughs> because it ultimately they kind of stuck to their identity, which was like guns blazing, air it out, spread it out. But like, 
not only was the pass pro not good enough, they didn't have enough at skill player to your point. Right. So it's kind of like, which mm -hmm. one, I, I don't know, because it's kind of comes down to Allen and whether you can get, you know, improve some of his tendencies he showed at the end of the season, I think, frankly. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I guess I, I still lean offensive line a little for, you know, just because I All feel right. I would like to see this offense. They, they, they have to be able to run the ball in the playoffs mm -hmm. better than they did. So, All right. Yeah. Let's come back and talk That's about the fine. other games. With Caesar Sportsbook and Casino, every bet earns with Caesar's rewards. That means whether you win or lose, you're always earning towards perks like free stays at iconic Caesar's properties, game tickets, dining, and more. And if you haven't started yet, here's a reminder. Your first bet is on Caesar's up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code OmahaFull and place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. Must be 21 or older, offer valid, and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit $1,250. Must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. No when stop before you start gambling problem arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP colorado wyoming kansas affiliated with kansas crossing casino call 1-800-522-4700 indiana call 1-800-9-WITH-IT iowa call 1-800-BETS-OFF louisiana call 1-877-770-STOP licensed through horseshoe bossier city and harris new orleans michigan call 1-800-270-7117 illinois maryland new jersey tennessee virginia west virginia pennsylvania affiliated with harris philadelphia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537, or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK, or text HOPE-NEW-YORK, 467-369. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover years, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com slash Mina for a $3 trial set. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash show. M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. Okay. Speaking of teams that can run the ball well in the playoffs, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'm actually not going to pick the run game or the offensive line for my winner, although How dare offensive you. line against the San Francisco pass rush. I can't wait. Um, um, I'm going to go with the run defense, Dominique, because that was everybody but you was concerned about <laughs> this season. This is your favorite, everybody favorite thing to downplay. I have um, a lot of favorite things to downplay. This is one of them. <laughs> um, so... You know, the case for the Giants making this interesting was that they could run the ball on a Philadelphia run defense that struggled throughout the season, struggled at times to defend mobile quarterbacks. Perhaps that was a little bit overblown coming to this game. Now, obviously, game script made it so that the Giants really couldn't run the ball. You know, I mean, it got so out of hand so quickly. However, before it got out of hand and even when to to some point, to a point, I was really impressed by the Eagles run defense in this game, particularly because like they didn't do anything different. Um, yeah. You know, in the first half, they changed up a few things. They played more man coverage in the first half, which I liked blitzed a little bit more, but for the most part, it was light boxes. Dorn Davis was out there some, but the defensive line was just bodying guys. <laughs> uh, Dom- uh, Daniel Jones in particular as a runner, he had, I don't know, like six or seven designed runs in this game. He had ultimately went for 24 yards. On every single one of his designed runs, a member of the Eagles defensive line blew it up. Whether it was Cox on his own read, Javon Hargrave chasing him down, Josh Sweat, you know, on the naked. Like, they were all so, they just overpowered them at the line of scrimmage. And look, next week's going to be a lot harder. But I think for the Eagles... That is something you feel good about because that was really like the only question you had about this football team. I mean, it's hard for me to reconcile my idea that they can't, that being able to shut down the run doesn't matter with the fact that what we saw the Bengals do like really mattered. So I need to figure out a nice little <laughs> nuanced cool. nook that I can crawl into where I can hold on to both of these beliefs as, at the same time. Especially with San Francisco coming down the pike, by yeah, the way, your was, take was, is going to be yeah, in it's jeopardy. A, it's, a t- it's a tough take <laughs> to stand on. But the reason why I feel comfortable with that take is because it's the aggressive running game or the the impressive running game is the reason why I think it's a problem is because it opens up so many other things. And for the Eagles, it even when people have success running the ball against them, it doesn't really open anything else up yeah. in part because they do light box. And like you run the ball against the light box because all they care about is eliminating the big play. So if they can also stop the run while not like loading the box, uh, which the game script, as you mentioned, had something to do with it. But then that's like, <laughs> then, then we're looking at all-time great defense level stuff there, which they can get to that level sometimes. The tough thing with um, Kyle Shanahan and this team is they have so many like runs in their playbook. It's yes. like it's like the Ravens with the number of like different run plays they have, and the, as much as we celebrate their passing game, like their passing game is rarely all that sophisticated. It's yes. like play action, simple reads. It's the running game that they build it all off of. So this week is a little bit different for them. A little different. Yeah. yeah and, and like, you know, we can say like, oh, it doesn't matter. They're holding them to like five yards to carry whatever. But that's with the Niners. 
it's like eight yards carry because yeah. <laughs> what they can do also after contact. So yeah, exactly. It's like the the issue with the Niners. Why it's a problem, and part of it is because we've kind of like moved away from the the playmaking running back as a as a model. And I know they just went up, up against Saquon, but they got ahead by a lot too soon. And Saquon had a big run late in the game, but giving Christian or Debo five yards is also opening you up to a big play threat, which is not yeah. normally in normal situations. Uh, in most teams that they play, it's like, all right, you got four, you got five, we'll stop you for two one time, but you're not going to get us for 20 or 30 because we're going to play this soft cover four, cover six action. But against these guys, it's like, yeah, he, he might actually <laughs> take one yeah. to the crib on your defense and get to the second level. The one thing I do, like, I think – I mean, not, not to like spin this forward too much. I'll talk about this later in the week, but I do think they'll do a, they, one thing that was kind of, they didn't sell out against yeah. the run and they just yep. stopped the run. Now, again, Giants, Niners, different planets in terms of their run games, but you can't sell out against the run against San Francisco right. or you're the Seahawks. So, <laughs> um, okay, give me, I'm going to talk about that game a lot later and I'm, I still have to think about it and it's an amazing matchup, but the Giants season is over. Lot to build on. However, mm. some woofs, what would be your choice is the biggest woof? Well, first of all, I think we should dwell for a second longer on this was a success. No one expected them to win this yeah. game. In their heart, they probably didn't expect to win this game. Realistically, if you hook them up to a lie detector test, like making the playoffs was one thing. Their Super Bowl was last week. <laughs> they, <laughs> they beat the Vikings. Good for them. Um, but if you had to pick out Wolves, like you could throw a dart. Board. I mean, you could th throw a dart at the field and it could land on just about anybody. <laughs> the, the defense, I think, is the, the biggest issue right now because I don't think we expected yeah. much from the offense. Just wanted them. You needed the defense to keep the game close to allow Daniel Jones and Saquon to wear them out. And they could not. And I don't know who to focus on because they didn't have an answer for anything. I guess it's that D-line that we were kind of – we're starting to believe in and starting to celebrate. And then they got mushed all over the field by possibly the best offensive line in, in football. And it's, it just, it sucked. <laughs> I mean, watch. Dexter Lawrence went from taking over a game to having zero pressures, which it's not even about Dexter Lawrence, man. This yeah. Eagles offensive line is definitely the best in football. They're just in different weight classes. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing that, I mean, the Daniel Jones contract discourse is going to be crazy because it ultimately is not going to be just about daniel jones it's going to be like what do we pay quarterbacks you know yeah. like what would he get in the free market all this it's complicated do so, you think we're getting that, to a oh sorry i said no what are you gonna ask me i was gonna say do you think we're getting closer to a place where a team will pass on a starting level quarterback because as you know you have to pay top of the league money even if your quarterback well, isn't top of the league. They can franchise him. And I think yeah, that's... Yeah, that's why that's I wasn't really, talking about Daniel Jones. Yeah, right. like, that's... That's why, like, they shouldn't overpay him. I mean, my, my feeling with Daniel Jones is... What you want to see is... Was this season the ceiling? Or, if you improve a couple spots, which, you know, there's very clear spots. Wide receiver, um, I think the offensive line, Terrier... Yeah. You're hoping Evan Neal gets better. Linebackers, the other thing that's really was a huge issue at the end. Whatever. You want to see if like, okay, if I improve the team around him, can he get better again? And if he can't, 
what you saw this season, it's competent, but it's never going to be good enough, you know? I mean, so I think for them, like, I would just try to buy time. Uh, I would consider having him play on the tag, personally. I don't think that, I don't, well, I don't know if that's what's going to happen. They might do a three-year type deal. Yeah, um, I think, I mean, I guess it all all depends on what you have to pay him. Uh, yeah. If you could get him on three years, because the the risky thing about going into the tag, the thing I never really liked about the tag is I don't like tagging players that you want to keep or that you're hoping you're going to keep is because then you're like, you're working against yourself in some regards, yeah. where it's like, all right, you can sign him now or you can put him on the tag and then do everything possible to hope that he succeeds. And if Daniel Jones has a MVP level season next year, you're paying him top of the league money, which you feel good about it, though. I, 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 I'd rather make that bet, and uh, if I'm proven wrong, it's more expensive. But I'd rather right. him prove me wrong first. That's just how I just don't think it was enough for that yeah. long term. De- I mean, you know, they, they yeah. said he's going to be the quarterback next year. Yeah, of course he's going to be quarterback right. next. I mean, year. I guess you know, it's yeah. it, it. It really depends on what he's willing to take. But if you could yeah. get him on, uh two or three years for, I don't know, 30, 35, uh, that's different than franchising him and then having to sign him for five yeah. years for 50 a year. That's all. You're right. It's, this is why it's hard to be a GM. <laughs> it's one of many reasons. Um, but, you know, they've, they've obviously got really, really good coaches and – uh, we'll see what happens either with Mike Kafka, who's getting some looks at, at coach, and that would be a huge loss for them, I think. Even if, you know, I mean, Brian Dable's a really good offensive coach, but I think Mike Kafka did a fantastic job this year. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by Nitsa. All right, Jags Chiefs, let's wrap here. Um, you go first. It's hard with the injury to yeah. pick a winner oh. at Kansas City. You know, I, mean, I, I feel mean, like it's, it's Travis it's Kelsey. Not hard, but, yeah, yeah, Travis Kelsey is an obvious winner out there. The the way that he played this game, like there I think also I remember the previous version of the Chiefs and you had to put some thought into who, how you would approach this. Like, who's your number one mm. thing to stop? Yeah. And now there's no thought around that. Yet, Travis Kelsey still be eating. 
And that's a real hard thing to do when you go from, because I, my personal belief, as you've heard me say plenty of times, is if you are going into a game and you have an option to take one player out, it's going to be that big play receiver threat. And so assuming other defensive coordinators or defensive coordinators think like that, then Travis Kelsey has been living a good life for the past couple years when everyone's coming into the game like, we got to stop 10. Now everyone's coming into the game like, we got to stop 87. And he's still out here putting up numbers. We even saw when they came out of halftime, you could tell in the third quarter, the Jags started to put more people around Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes went elsewhere at the ball. It was ugly. And, it, and then eventually he just started throwing it into Travis again. And he's like, hey, it doesn't matter how many you put around him. He's going to make it work. He's such a special player, too. Like, his feel for zone, his, his ability to be on the other side of when plays are extended, finding ways to get open, his toughness after the catch. I mean, you know, it's, it's Travis Kelsey. He's not like... You know, everyone knows he's the best tight end in the NFL. It's not, um, it's not a big deal to say that, but it was pretty dramatic in this game. I mean, he was so dominant and, you know, dominant because he had to be. I mean, that was the other thing with Henny doing that drive, the 98-yard drive, and then Mahomes coming back in and playing on one foot. Travis Kelsey had to be the best player on the football field. I do wonder, and this is something I'd like to hear your thoughts on, Mahomes being hurt and he's going to play and but obviously we know his mobility will be limited. Do you feel like this iteration of the Chiefs is better suited to survive that, which is to say, yeah. A Chief a Chiefs offense that's less dependent on big plays that runs the football better. I thought Isaiah Pacheco was excellent in this last game against mm-hmm. decent Jags run defense by the way. Do you feel like okay, like maybe they're they're more likely, I think, to be able to move the ball than they were last year. Yeah, I think we should give some love to that Chiefs offensive line, too. Yes. Because they were, were pushing around a very good um, Jags defensive line <laughs> and running the ball in a way that, like, we talk about yeah. um, Andy Reid's identity and identities of football teams. I think we have to appreciate that the Chiefs changed their identity. Yeah. And they are... By no means are they the like the Jim Brown Browns, but they are physical as hell on the offensive side of the ball in the way that you would not ever com- you would not ever say about an Andy Reid team. Or normally you don't say this about like a top ranked offense in the league. That's normally to yeah. air it out, but they were just they got mauling. bruisers, man. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they maul uh, Pacheco in particular they too. Maul, also, they again, bruise, they everything. They maul. They, <laughs> what are some other? I don't know. Um, road grade, verbs. road grade. Yeah, they're nasty. Nasty. Oh, old linemen are always um, nasty. But you know the, the the receivers are strong. Like you know whether it's obviously Juju, Sky Moore, like yeah. MBS. They got guys who can block. They're the best thirteen personnel team in the NFL. Um, they are so good. They were so good in this Jags game running the ball out of two and three tight end sets. And then, of course, that sets up these huge chunk plays. There was that play, um, this was before Mahomes got hurt, where uh, they were in 13 and Travis Kelsey ran the underneath route and Noah Brown ran yep. the deep over. And I watched that and thought, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're in 13 personnel and the explosive option is not Travis Kelsey, that is a problem for opposing defenses. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the idea of Kelsey as a decoy is what I would be concerned about if I was <laughs> anyone else because I have no choice. And yes. the you know what I mean? It's like we have to stop Kelsey. And, yeah, I'm not worried about, uh, I don't know, Juju, like, single-handedly beating me. But, like, MVS can get behind me. But I'd be comfortable with, like, my corners in man coverage or just, like, not putting a bunch of attention on there, but it does. It just determines so much because Travis can be like a reasonable end line of the line tight end and doubling there. Like I think puts so much stress on the outside or like squeezing your zone in tight there, like puts so much pressure on your safeties and that's zone between them. And the way that the 49ers play, it's just, I mean, Fred Warner, you got your hands, you got your job cut out for you, Fred Warner. Cause that's, she gets, she gets there. Yeah. Yeah, I've already I've already um, <laughs> skipped that and thinking about the Super Bowl. I was trying to think of like a player. Respect. Yeah, I was trying to think about a player in the league that I would yeah. feel comfortable <sighs> just like saying. And it would have been Derwin James, but he gave Derwin the blues too. Um, Von Bell, can I interest you in a Von Bell? You know, uh, <laughs> can I interest you in a Lou Anarumo finding ways? Yeah, to yeah. Make I Patrick think it's, Holmes life. It's more the defense. Yeah, Von, Von Bell is very good. He has couple great plays last week but um okay so uh, the flip side of that is my jags loser which is um we went into this we we all went into this game into we all went into this game saying the same thing which is this defense cannot stop tight ends they are 32nd dboa against tight ends epa replay and um it played out (laughs) exactly that way to our point i mean they simply could not stop Travis Kelsey, no matter what they threw at him. And I think that's kind of, you know, I, the Jags have to get better at skill player. They're bringing Calvin Ridley. And that was an issue in this game, too, with drops and clearly didn't have enough talent outside. But um, defensively, it's 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 a little concerning that they've invested so much at linebacker and linebacker was still an issue for them. But I think the spine of that defense, um, you know, Rayshon Jenkins splashed some stuff, but clearly there's still holes on that side of the ball if we want to, you know, really take them seriously as contenders beyond just winning the AFC South. And our D-line's got to be better. As I know the D-line Yeah, in this game, it was, yeah. it was disappointing because they were so good. Came, yeah. Going forward, like, this team has invested a ton in the defensive line, and the defensive line has shown the ability to, like, influence the game more than any other group on their defense. Um, so that's what it comes down to is – when you have that group, they have to be that group in big games. Mm. And no one walks around criticizing D linemen uh, on a Monday after a big game. But it felt like that was the group that uh, they needed. And, 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 yeah. and, they, and they didn't. They got road graded, totally mauled, agree. bruised. Just- <laughs> Smushed. <laughs> yeah, which was the case in week 10 as well, frankly. Yeah. Um you know, but you feel good because you got the quarterback and you got the coach. And both yeah. uh, Trevor Lawrence ending on, Ooh. I thought, a good performance, too. It makes you feel good as a yeah. Jags fan because, yeah. obviously, the most important thing. Yeah, that interception on the end wasn't the best way to end the game, but I think like, <laughs> it was it was over by then, and it kind of felt like that um, red zone fumble was really yeah. what killed them, which wasn't Trevor's fault. And generally, he has something to build on, some encouragement. And they did some healing. I think that's what Doug Peterson told us, which I appreciate. Let them heal after being like urban. Yeah, Doug seems likable. All right, Dominique, you're also very likable. 
Mm, only to you, honestly. Like most people don't <laughs> like me. <laughs> yeah, some of the comments are like, "Yeah, he's kind of a heel." Yeah, that's fine. Only I'm nice comments, please. Uh, <laughs> I will only nice comments for you from me. I will see you next week. Thanks, bud. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.